Welcome to another episode of Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. Welcome, new listeners, and for the rest of you, welcome back. I find there are many great independent creator books out there, and this one is actually being published through Scout Comics. Now, Scout Comics is a very small publisher, but they're putting out some excellent quality books, such as Solar Flare, Elasticator, and Mindbender, just to name a few. There's another book coming out this October, just in time for Halloween, Infernoct. And on this episode, I'll be speaking to three of the creators, writer Mina Elwell, artist Eli Powell, and colorist Tristan Elwell. Now, this is a very collaborative effort, and the three creators all have one thing in common, and that is SVA, the School of Visual Arts in New York City. Mina is a student, Eli is a graduate, and Tristan is an instructor there. Now, the book they produced, Infernoct, is a horror book in the Lovecraftian style. If you like that sort of thing, this is for you. Now, there's an Ashcan preview out that I refer to in this interview, and the art is gorgeous. Both the line drawing and the coloring is fantastic, and I urge you to seek this out, check it out, look it up online. I'll put some links in the description of this show so you can see the work of Eli Powell and Tristan Elwell. And this is Mina's first comic book work, so she's doing a heck of a job. And I really look forward to reading the complete first issue when it comes out in October. All right, so let's get started. I am now joined by writer Mina Elwell, artist Eli Powell, and colorist Tristan Elwell. Here now on Creator Talks. Mina, welcome to Creator Talks. Hey, thank you. And Eli, welcome to you. Hey, how's it going? And Tristan. Thank you very much. Gang's all here. Eli, you just came back to civilization. You've been off the grid for a while. Were you up in the mountains? Were you hiking, camping? What were you doing? I'm in Seattle, my hometown, for a couple weeks. And uh, we went up to Mount Rainier uh, for the last three days or so. And off the grid, you know, really nice, clear skies, view of the mountain and stuff. How long were you there? Two nights and... Uh, three days and we were kind of hiking around the trails and uh exploring the mountain we actually went to mount st helens too so that was pretty cool oh, oh nice did you camp overnight in the woods not in the woods no okay. we were in kind of a bunkhouse uh lodging you know yeah well still you're braver than me and more rugged than me because i'm like no 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 where's the comfort in where's the cabin with the running water and the heat and all that stuff yeah, no TVs here, you know, <laughs> just a bit. No Twitter. And Yeah, that was kind of nice, you know, uh, a break from the old phone, you know. Like. <laughs> okay, well, I want to get started talking about Infranaut, but first, Mina, I want to start with your drive to get out there and make things happen for you and leading to co-creating and writing Infranaut. So I'm going pretty deep here. I did see that you were in the Highland Current emceeing a talent show. <laughs> yes? Right. Huh? I'm I laugh because Mina, Mina and I always talk about how that's the first thing that comes up on her Google hits, and it's um, from high school. Yes. yes. Yeah, it's freshman an year. Picture of me that looks like um, looks like I don't know lesbian stand up, which is only half true. <laughs> I was going to say that's quite a picture. We all have pictures like that from freshman year. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> truly, yeah. Well, I mean, what I thought was interesting was that you, right there, you had the host better go out there and MC this thing and get the audience fired up. You know, <laughs> you know you're not shy. You're running the show. Well, sure, you know. Volunteered to be it's, the MC? 
yeah, I got roped into it, but I was happy to do it. Okay. There's a lot of pictures of me from the band at that time, which is really funny because I was the singer, but there's a million pictures of me holding the bass. They just decided that I looked good with the bass. Um, so you'll find you might find some band pictures of me too. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what's still up there. I'm not really a, an obsessive self Googler, so I don't know. Okay. It's still still on the list. <laughs> How long were you playing in the band? I don't know. High school. All right. Well, but you know, after that though, you worked as an entertainer, right? Weren't you working for uh, Uncle Walt Disney? Oh well, I was uh, definitely a rip off Uncle Walt Disney. <laughs> oh, so it wasn't the actual Disney company. No, I was uh, I was party princessing, which is when you dress up as a princess and go to children's birthday parties and uh, entertain them in character. Yeah. Now, is that when you were entertaining them as Elsa? Elsa, you know, anything that you want, though not really Elsa, but, you know. <laughs> Legal reasons. Wow, you uh, you truly did deep Google. I... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I went through papers and microfilm and all kinds of stuff to find <laughs> this out. What I want to ask you about, though, is you were doing the Elsa knockoff, but then weren't didn't you start doing your own thing after you worked for somebody else? Yeah, I worked for a big company that, you know, does all sorts of elaborate, you know, knockoff companies. And I was like, all right, well, this is fine, but it's also the costumes aren't so nice and they have a lot of things going on. So I'm going to do my own. And I picked up the company and I, you know, started doing it with a friend. You were able to connect with the kids. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's, that's the fun part of it. It's a pretty fun job if you like kids, which I do, and you don't mind wearing hoop skirts, which I don't. I don't think that's really of interest to anyone in this group. but <laughs> well, well the, What's in, interest to me, though, is that you decided to strike it on your own because you weren't happy with what you were doing for someone else. And I guess maybe you wanted to be uh, a little less commercial and working for someone else and do it your way since you had that ability to connect with the kids and get them interested. And they had a really good time with you. So, you know, do your own yeah, thing. Definitely. Yeah, that was definitely part of it. And uh, clearly picking out my own costumes is <laughs> big plus. And uh, – I, a big part of it for me, too, is that I could do more of a storytelling thing, which clearly is my interest, as opposed to I'm not being a great singer, which is a big part of the uh, traditional version. Tristan, has Mina always been this ambitious? Yes. Always an entertainer? <laughs> um, all kinds of things. All kinds of things. But yeah, definitely. She's, uh, she doesn't like to have nothing to do. Do you have embarrassing childhood stories you can tell us? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tristan, you're the colorist on Infranoct, and you bring a, a Vertigo sensibility to it. I like Vertigo. Did you read a lot of Vertigo books? Uh, what was in your reading pile that influenced you? I did. I mean, that's really, that's kind of the tail end of sort of, you know, my comics reading era was Vertigo stuff. That was definitely the look that I was consciously going for when I sort of set out to you know, design what things were going to look like from a from a color standpoint. And you're an artist in your own right. You teach at SVA, don't you? Yeah, I've been I've been illustrator. I I mostly do book covers, and I've been doing that for a long time since before Mina was born. Well, you're very good. Thank you. I was really impressed. I checked out the site, and I was like, "Whoa!" I had no idea. When I post the pod, I'll put a link on the uh, description of it so people can check that out because uh, that's great stuff. Thank you. Now, how did you train to be an artist? What kind of education or self-teaching did you do to learn how to be such a great artist? I started drawing when I was very young, and I went to, I grew up in New York and Manhattan, 
So I went to a specialized arts high school. I went to the High School of Music and Art. And then I went to SVA, where Mina goes now and Eli went. Um, so that's definitely a common, a common thread among us. Um, and uh, then I started, uh, started working straight out of school. And is this going to be your first comic published work? Yes. So you guys are lucky to be working together, all of you, of course. Me and Tristan, like, it's very unusual for a writer or artist to have direct contact with the colorist nowadays. A lot of times it's someone who might be overseas or another part of the country. And how's that working out for the two of you working so closely together? Um, I think it's been fine so far. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I think it's great that we've kind of been able to talk to everybody. Marshall, who isn't with us, Marshall Dillon, who's the letterer, is the only person who... Like, I haven't been able to talk to in person, but Eli, you know Marshall really well, so that's been great. Well, kind of well, yeah. I've met him, like, a handful of times in Chicago, yeah. But, yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a cool dude. He brings a lot of experience to the book, too, doesn't he? I mean, he's he's just done so much stuff, and uh, I think, you know, he's always working on, like, you know, a, a bunch of books at the same time. So, I mean, he's seen so many, so many thousands of pages, probably, you know. <laughs> now, the Ashcan copy that I have... That has a preview of the first few pages of chapter one. Actually, he's not the letterer on that book. You were with uh, Rob Jones at that point who was doing the lettering. Um, was there a reason for the changeup? Was it a scheduling thing for Rob? We were just honestly still figuring out what we were going to do at that point. We weren't even signed on with Scout when we first did that. I mean, basically, like uh, Marshall saw the announcement or the the ash can and and he's like uh you know i i would love to letter this he, uh, he lettered uh yakuza demon killers a book that i did before it and uh and he said he you know really likes uh my art kind of storytelling and uh you know to place the the letters and stuff now, eli your style is just perfect for this lovecraftian mind horror story like infernoct um it's dark and disturbed your art, not you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Me too. That <laughs> helps a little bit. And you've learned from some outstanding artists yourself, uh, Klaus Jansen and David Mazzucchelli. Yeah, yep. both professors uh, at SVA. I think Klaus is still teaching there. Yeah, both uh, amazing, amazing professors, uh, mentors. Well, from your time there, what are just uh, pick three things in order of import to you that you took away from their teaching? That you still use today? Well, uh, Klaus, you know, he he kind of grinded uh, the importance of storytelling, like, you know, not not necessarily the the drawing aspect. I mean, the drawing will improve with time and practice, um, but in comics, the most important thing is the this visual storytelling, and you know, can you follow it uh, without reading the words and relying on the words essentially? Um, and so Klaus kind of made us do like th three or four pages a week for homework, uh, which at the time was kind of like, whoa, you know, that's that's a lot of work. Uh, but it really kind of grinds that into you and that that practice. And, uh, you know, he had us work from uh, existing scripts, what it would like be like to uh, work in the industry for real, you know. And um, David Mazzucchelli did the same similar thing, but he kind of had a new 
theme every every week and there would be like a, a handful of pages to go with that theme too you know so um different different te- teaching methods different styles but both equally as effective the main thing i i brought away from my experience at sva was that uh, at the end of the day art school is what you make of it um it's about participation and it's, it's ultimately about practice no you can't really teach some somebody how to do something they they kind of have to you know, uh, understand it by themselves. Uh, and that just, again, practice and hard work. Yeah. yeah. You have to apply the theory. I mean, you, it, everything is very practical. It's hands-on it's real world type experience. It's what you're going to face when you get out there and, and work for someone or work for yourself as an artist, the deadlines, the demands, things thrown at you, things being changed up. Yeah. The constant projects, you know, uh, it, it's almost like, you know, I'm on, I've been on vacation technically for this week, uh, kind of away from the drawing board, but, uh, it's always in the back of my mind and there's always kind of that uh, anxiousness to get back to work. Does it take time for you to get warmed up again? It typically, t- like if, if I take a week, I try to take weekends off like uh, Saturday or Sunday or sometimes it fall, it rolls into Monday um, de- just depending on my schedule. But uh, I find, you know, after a long, after a long break or a weekend, um, it typically takes like a day to get warmed up again. Um, and that's a day of, you know, drawing, kind of battling through uh, whatever page I'm on, you know. Um, I don't do much warm-up sketching. Do you ever do any, uh, like, warm-up sketches or, or practice, like, while you're watching television? Like, just have a sketch pad there and just, you know, start trying to sketch things off the TV or, you know, just to kind of kind of multitask a bit so you keep your skills up? Yeah, I mean, sometimes, like, I, I'm actually trying to work on that more, just kind of uh, get back into observational drawings a bit. But, uh Typically, I'll when I'm watching TV or something, I'll be doing concept work for another book. So it's always kind of going towards the next project um, or the current project. Amina, you're still in school. You're in the thick of it right now. How's it going? What have you learned so far that you've been applying right now on your first comic book? I think uh, a big thing is that in my most my most recent year, I've gotten way more into structure than I had in the past. I don't know. It makes it sound like exactly what it is, I guess. <laughs> I I have a whiteboard in my room. I, you know, I draw plot circles on things. So that's definitely something that I've applied because there's theories of story and you don't have to use them, but it's helpful to know them. And then you can do whatever you want. And for you, I guess it would take many revisions until you're, you know, you're happy with the finished product. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's more doing the prep work beforehand. Like if I can have a really solid outline, then it takes less editing afterwards. I think some people do like a really rough first draft and get everything out and then do a million edits afterwards. I think it's equally good either way. For some people, that that first draft is just the first draft and it's going to take several reworks. Um, But I find that the more I prep something and research it and kind of doodle with it and set up an outline, the less it's going to take me to actually do the finished product. I mean, I don't think it matters how you do it. I have a friend who refers to the first draft as the vomit draft. Um, (laughs) I think it's great if that's how you work. Um, I usually... I like to bullet stuff first, but I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. Now, Tristan, you've seen a lot of students go through SVA. What have you learned from them as an instructor? My favorite thing about teaching is that it really, really helps you stay in touch with what's going on currently. It's very, very easy for me to be aware of what people who are in their early 20s are thinking about in a way that isn't so easy for a lot of people who are, shall we say, my age. 
and also it gets me out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as, as, as Eli knows, I'm sure, oh, yeah. <laughs> is always the easiest thing when, you, when you're in our kind of business. It can be very, very solitary. So it's really good to have some place that I have to be several times a week that's not at the desk. How are you making out, like, balancing your work assignments and your teaching work? Sometimes it's harder than other times. Um, when the freelance work really, really picks up, it can be a problem. Um, but on the other hand, one nice thing about the teaching is that it does sometimes allow me to be more selective about the kind of jobs I take on. Um, so, you know, something just came in the other day, and it was a lot of money, but it was also a very short amount of time. And it was something that I really had no interest in the subject matter. And it's a nice luxury to just be able to say no to that sort of thing. And it allows you to take on uh, jobs for your daughter. (laughs) Yeah, there's that. (laughs) I did volunteer. I was not shanghaied into anything. (laughs) Eli, like a sprinter out of the blocks, when you were through school, you won the Top Cow Talent Hunt Artist Competition, and you won that and went right on to draw the 13th artifact for Top Cow. And I see you worked on the Fox. Did you do just the, a variant cover for them for number five? Yeah, just a variant on that. All right, cool. Because I, I did read that series, and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know you were on there. So I, I saw that nice variant you did there. Um, Eli, did you get to meet Dean when you were working on the Fox? Um, no, I didn't met it, meet him or uh, have personal uh, back and forth, but uh, I, I bumped into him at like New York Comic Con uh, like a year later or something, and I just told him, hey, I did an alt cover for you, and he's like, oh, cool, you know, so yeah. I, don't, I don't know if he remembers me, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I heard that you were friends with him, I think. Yeah, right? I, I only ask because, because Dean Haspiel, who, who did The Fox and The Red Hook and and Emmy winner for uh, for his titles. Uh, um, we went to high school together. So, oh, you did? Oh, you were in high school together? Oh, no kidding. Yes. It's kind of a running joke that anytime we see anyone on TV, my dad's like, I went to high school with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've met Dean, uh, oh, several times. Hey, he's a really cool guy. And I'll, I'll have him on the show eventually. It's, I know he's just super busy too, but I know he has another run of. Uh, the Red Hook coming out in the fall. That might yes. be a good time to catch up and talk about that. I know he'll be in Baltimore, so I'll definitely see him there. Mina will be in Baltimore. Yes. I will not. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're missing a good con. I know. We have to get you out there sometime. You a little shy about doing the cons? No, it's just a matter of uh, somebody's got to hold down the fort. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm reminded about that when I go. Someone has to watch the kids. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, so Eli... You're not going to be there, of course, at the Baltimore. That's a bit of a hike for you. Yeah, I mean, next year I want to try to do more of the con circuit. Uh, but, I mean, this year is kind of really more about cranking out the work, I think. Well, I mean, you're still working on Yakuza Demon Killers. That's your book. Yeah, that's my book uh, with my writer and friend, Amit Chauhan. Um, and that's that's actually done uh, for now. I mean, it, it's for, it was a four-issue run. Uh, the trade's out and everything. We We might continue it. Um, but we're kind of just moving on to a variety of titles right now. We're, we're working on something else that can't really talk too much about. Oh, well then I'll have to have you back to talk about that when you can. Yeah. Some buzz, you know, you know, still nothing's, uh, for sure. Well, it only seems natural that someone with your drive who won that talent hunt contest 
for Top Cow is working with Mina with her drive to get her book out there and do and frankly do her own thing. She's always looks like she's always wanted to do her own thing her own way. And so you, the two of you, the three of you, of course, but especially you all seem to work together very well, just the way you're driven and the way you do things. Yeah, I think we have been working together really well. Everything's been going really smoothly. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, yeah I think it's, it's gone. It's gone very, very smoothly. I mean, you started promoting this book through a series of chapters, trauma reports. Uh, I think it was on Screen Fix and also on your Facebook page. Man, Eli, when did we start? When did we start actually promoting? I feel like. I feel like it was a year ago because I went to FlameCon a year ago. A year ago was when we met at New York Comic Con, and that's right. Had, by then we had the Ashcan um, pamphlet or uh, preview, uh, yeah. and I think you you started shortly after that, maybe right, like uh, Jan the next year, January. Like. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right to me. It was just we met so many people at the conventions, and people were get interested. And we started promoting so early that it felt like we needed to have something out there that people could, you know, be engaged with since it was going to be a long time at that point before anything was actually out there. And I write all the time anyway. Like if if I didn't have something that was coming out, I would be writing something that no one would ever read. Like that's just true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah. I, I always got that sense about Eli and I feel like we just work anyway. So I was at Charlotte Con and I met you there. And one thing I noticed right away, even before I was introduced to you, you were sitting on your table. <laughs> sitting. Now, and I'm like, huh, I wonder what's going on there. Why is she sitting on that table? Is she holding it for someone? Is she working the table? So right there, you just kind of grab people's attention because you have to stand out with so many people at these cons selling their books, their art. You know, I mean, it's just it's what it is. But you're out there working. It. And that was an interesting way, idea to get out in front of it and then be on that table. Did you get more engagement that way? I'm trying to think when I started doing that. I don't always do that. Uh, why do I sit on the table? I started sitting at the table at Scaricon, um, which is one of my favorite conventions because I love horror conventions. But it's not my favorite chairs. <laughs> <laughs> it was comfort too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When it's a small enough convention, I just you know hang out on the hang out on the table. I guess it's especially because I'm just handing stuff out. You know, it's easier to. Makes people feel like they can just take it and walk away, I guess, because it's free stuff. Yeah I, yeah, I find the table kind of has this strange effect where people take us too seriously. Uh, you know, it's kind of intimidating sometimes to approach a table with someone sitting on the other end, you know. So I think that's a great strategy to, you know, have, kind of engage people, um, you know, lure them in, uh, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, I think they think we're sitting behind a desk. Oh, okay. It's like an interview or something. It's a job yeah. interview. <laughs> and we just naturally look miserable behind the table. We're not, you know. We're, <laughs> I try to be happy, you know. Uh, but you know, I can, I can, I scare people away too. So, well, if you're sitting there too, you're kind of looking up at people versus kind yeah. of being eye to eye, which is a little more, a little more friendly. Um, and it's also good to hand things out because I've heard at cons where people just kind of walk by and start grabbing people's books. And it's like, oh, wait, no, that's for sale. There's a pre Hold on. That's not free. You know, <laughs> Things yeah. start disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> Have you thought about or maybe at some point would do something like this? Have one page or two page or something that could go out to the comic shops to help promote the book? I say this because there's just so many books out there. Fun fact, we actually have been mailing out a whole bunch of the ash cans to comic shops. Ah, good, good. Yeah, um, we. I think a lot of the ones that we, or at least that I've been in contact with, we send a bunch out and then they hand them out to the people who come in and are regulars. Um, if there's anybody we missed 
then we feel guilty, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a, a certain run plan for this? Is it going to be a mini or do you have an ongoing mind or what, what's your, your game plan for this? Uh, it's limited series. We're four issues. It's our current plan. Issue two is in pre-orders right now. From a business standpoint, I mean, this might be a little inside baseball, but uh, everybody knows that the issue two orders are really, really important um, because they always go down. Um, because everybody, you know, orders a, a first issue of the book. But by the time the third issue is in pre-orders, the first issue is already out, so people are, you know, know what it is and are interested in it. So um, if anybody thinks that this sounds good, pre-order issue two, and then pick up, <laughs> pick up issue one when it comes out. Full disclosure, I think issue two might be the creepiest. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how EY feels. I, yeah, I, I think they'll get progressively creepier, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> has a has a really, really, really surprising ending. Keeping it spoiler free, but yeah, I think we I think we did some cool stuff with that. And how's it working out with Scout Comics publishing this book? How's your partnership been with them? I personally know a lot of the people at Scout, like I know Michael Sanchez and AC Medina, who is uh, he also publishes Elasticator through them, and then James Pruitt, who's our editor. So that's been great for me because I know everybody there. <laughs> Eli, you have less of a like hanging out with them yeah I, I kind of just uh relay mina kind of relays the information <laughs> to me you know, which is fine yeah. mina you also have another role that you serve with scout aren't you their media director yeah i do some stuff with them i've done less stuff with them recently because they're you know they're still working some stuff out i'm working on the comic at the moment so it's you know do you have an exact date for that i don't think there was one in diamond no i don't have an exact date for that actually we're uh before halloween you know, a Wednesday in October before Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if anything, it will be sooner rather than later. Anything else you want to share about the book, non-spoilery for everyone listening? A reason why they should get this book? So one, one thing that I find uh, most fascinating and why I'm so interested in, in drawing it and is because of kind of the the setting and the location, you know, that's, I mean, believe it or not, that's kind of my most favorite thing to draw um, in comics is, is where something takes place and kind of creating an atmosphere around that. And it's something that lays beneath the surface of what you read. And it's a world builder, essentially, you know, so the thing about, so the thing about Infernoct is, it's kind of suburban decay in a way. It's it's like countryside, small towns, uh, forests, uh, woods, uh, some, you know, old old sheds and shacks. That subculture almost, you know. Um, and I mean, that's that's kind of my interpretation of it. Like aside from the Lovecraftian uh, theme too, you know. That's that, and I think that's something you don't see in comics. You know, in comics you see kind of big cities, um, you know, dramatic backdrops stuff like that but you don't kind of see the the urban decay and you know i grew up in seattle uh, on queen anne on top of the hill and uh so i got get a taste of everything a little bit of of nature and and uh small town and then kind of big city too so uh, for me that's one reason to to pick up the book so and the, and the creepiness that goes on with that it's it's i forgot to mention you know all the creepiness you know <laughs> <laughs> and coming off of that i think um one of my favorite things about getting, because I, you know, I write the scripts, but then getting the pages back from Eli, there's always something that he's thrown in that I didn't expect or didn't write in, and it's always really creepy and unexpected. 
so it's I get something, you know, totally bizarre and creepy and terrifying that's even beyond what I wrote. And it, it usually figures into that that setting and location and background. Well, the setting is very creepy because it's rural. Uh, it's suburban. You know, cities, they never sleep. The lights are on all the time. But you do have all these little pockets of places like sheds and woods and, you know, the, the easement behind somebody's house and everything else that what's going on there in the middle of the night. And this this thing, whatever it is, this this creature is feeding on people's sanity. And that's kind of our our Lovecraftian influence. And also there's this other horror author that I'm really influenced by, which is uh, Thomas Ligotti. Um, and that's sort of the influence there. But it's it's very fears based. The idea that your your specific fear can take over. Yeah, I think it's something that really envelops everyone, you know, in the in the store is, or in in the world is is like this idea of you know the infernoc. Is it a creature? Is it an idea? You know, um, yeah. So I think that's that's another theme of the book too. You know, kind of like uh, you know people have their own demons too, you know, and, and again, like going back to the suburbs, you know, um, it's sometimes, you know, there's this very, uh, beautiful cookie cutter, like, um, superficial surface on the outside, but then kind of dark, uh, insidious things within, you know, and I think that's also kind of the, the idea of, of the book too. Well, it looks fantastic. I mean, I have the, uh, the little, uh, scout comics, Ashcan here and the colors gorgeous the uh, the artwork I can see the Klaus Jansen and Mazzucchelli influence in the artwork for sure uh, and it works for a horror story and of course just those few pages kind of left me like what I need more don't stop so yeah this looks great so people should put that on their pull list and order that for sure and the timing October come on that's perfect now I just have some fun questions for you not related to the book just about yourselves and we'll go around the room, ask you all these questions about rest and relaxation. Eli, we'll start with you. What do you do for rest and relaxation? I guess that would be hiking and camping, perhaps? No, um, that was kind of a... I, I would like to do more of that. Um, but, I mean, rest and relaxation, those are very, like... Uh, they're they're rare, I guess, um, in, in my work. I think most artists like to kind of sleep in and work all throughout the night, you know, and I'm kind of the opposite. I like to wake up early, you know, around 7.30 to 8, get started by 9, kind of work until 6 o'clock, depending on, uh, you know, what break points I hit. I always try to take a walk kind of halfway through, you know, because it's it's so easy just to kind of lose track of time. Um, you know, a whole day goes by in the blink of an eye and making sure you get take breaks, uh, get outside, get some sun on you. Um, you know, that's really important for, to maintain kind of your sanity and quality of work too. You know, it's, it's really easy to get burnt out. So I, I take a walk once a day. Sometimes I, you know, it just doesn't happen because the second I'm done with the drawing board, I'm going to, you know, sit down and watch TV. Uh, that's kind of what I do, hang out with my girlfriend. So very, I have a very, uh, you know, very simple life. I guess it's lifestyle right now. You know, we'll, we'll go out to uh, to eat. You know, um, and uh, go for drives. And yeah, that's that's essentially all I do. So, yeah. I envy you. <laughs> Enjoy that. <laughs> Tristan, how about you? What do you do for rest and relaxation? Oh, geez, I don't know, Mina. What do we do for rest and relaxation? <laughs> um, 
I was hoping to figure out your answer first. <laughs> oh, fine. Um, this yeah. isn't a great sign for our family. It sounds, well, because Mina is a, screen, is a writer and a screenwriter, um, we lo- watch lots and lots of movies and TV for professional reasons. Yeah, honestly, we really do. Like, Sunday nights are a huge deal. <laughs> like, you got the you got the Game of Thrones, you got the Twin Peaks, you got the Rick and Morty. Sure. Yep, just... um, <laughs> um, and, and if uh, I can watch that without writing something simultaneously, I'm thrilled. I don't know how you write and watch TV at the same time. It makes no sense to me. I don't know how to write and not watch something. I know. I need something on in the background. Because I can, I can draw or paint have a movie on or, 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 you know, a podcast or an audio book or anything like that, because it's totally different mental processes. But I don't know how you can think in words and have words going on in the background at the same time and not get completely confused by it. What if I forget how humans speak? (laughs) (laughs) I can jot down notes, you know, like little ideas that pop into my head, but I can't really start to write something. Unless it's just music in the background. Mina, yeah. when you uh, when you watch TV and write, is it something you've seen before, or is it something that you're watching for the first time? It's something I've seen before. Yeah, so I feel like that that makes more sense than like watching the next Game of Thrones that you haven't yeah. seen. There, there would be no way for you to follow if you're kind of writing first, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would write well i think i don't think i could simultaneously pick up new information yeah i'm really not allowed to read or write while i'm watching tv at home because if i say who's that and what's the i i get a hard time it's like well you're well if you were watching so i i have to put the book down and honestly with game of thrones i do want to put the book or any kind of writing down i do want to see everything so uh yeah it's good practice speaking of books you all must have an island book, a desert island book that you would have to have with you, the one book you could have with you. Mina, we'll start with you. What would that one book be? Uh-oh. Um, That's a tough, tough one. <laughs> only, all right, it's only one book, so I feel like it should be a long one. But, uh, <sighs> all right, I'm going to go with Anansi Boys, even though it's not a long book at all. It's, a, it's Neil Gaiman's book. It's a spinoff of American Gods. It's a good one. It lives near my bed, so it must it must be near me anyway. <laughs> Tristan, how about you? I'm going to be uh, absolutely insufferable and say a Shakespeare complete works. Ooh, all right. Yes, exactly. That'll keep you going for, for quite a while. Now, Eli, you've had a chance to think about this now. What would it be? Lately, I've been I, – my friend Amit uh, sent me uh, a few books in the mail for my birthday – and uh, and one of them, which is a book that I've never read, that's always been on my shelf, um, but I've I've never read it. I've, but I I look at the pictures, you know, I look at the storytelling, and and one day I'll read it, and that's uh, from Hell, oh, sure. Alan okay. Moore. Just something about you know, again, I haven't read it, uh, but it, it's uh, you know, it's the uh, I could spend days you know looking looking through. Uh, the line work and the art and it's just black and white, you know? Uh, okay. That's a good choice. People who listen to the show know I'm not a super avid reader. Cause when I go, Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. They know I've read it. And if I go, Hmm, ooh, <laughs> they know I have no clue. And, you know, 
So full disclosure there. But uh, I can appreciate that you appreciate the book and enjoy reading it. And maybe someday I shall. But uh, so many books, so little time. Last question's easy. This is real simple. And Eli, I'll start with you. Your beverage of choice, your go-to drink. Probably seltzer water, you know, <laughs> sparkling water, yeah. You don't have to be working at the time. Well, if I'm not working, uh, I guess uh, a light beer, yeah. Okay. Mina, how about you? Uh, we drink a lot of tea in this house. Green? Black tea? Iced tea? Black tea. Okay. So, Tristan, you're on the tea bandwagon, too? That's what you're drinking? Yeah, but actually, I, I probably, because it's summer and because it's been hot, I've been uh, I've been drinking <laughs> seltzer and lime. I've been going through limes at a ridiculous pace. Uh, well, the lime really classes it up. Oh, of course. And there's some vitamin C, so it, it looks fancy then. <laughs> and, and, and no scurvy as well. So <laughs> Please bring the Impronoctine tea and seltzer. <laughs> so each of you let me know and let the fans know how can they reach you on the interwebs and through social media mina oh um well there's an infernoct facebook page which will reach all of us and definitely me and uh i have a twitter it's at mina elwell and eli yeah i have a, a twitter uh my handles uh savage inks uh, savage underscore inks then my Instagram is Instalis Eli, uh, and I have a Facebook too, but Facebook's more kind of uh, family stuff. So okay, and Tristan, uh, TristanLwell.com, Tristan.Lwell on Facebook, and Tristan underscore Lwell on Twitter because there's some British investment banker um, named <laughs> Tristan Elwell. Um, so uh, I didn't manage to to snatch up the uh, the non modified name before him. Um, and uh, Tristan.Lwell on Instagram. Eli is going to be putting some of his original art from Impronoct up for sale on our website. The site will be live before the book comes out. Excellent. Well, Mina, Eli, and Tristan, thank you so much for being on Creator Talks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Creator Talks. The podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. If you like what you hear, Please rate and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't miss a single episode each Thursday. Subscribe. It's free. A new interview will be available each week, and sometimes there'll be a second, maybe even a third interview that week. You can send me feedback and comment on social media. I can be reached at Creator Talks Pod. That's at Creator Talks Pod on Facebook and Twitter. I'm also available on Instagram, Creator Talks Pod. There I will post pictures while I'm on location, as well as my Saturday Silver Age or Older and Sunday Bronze Age Spotlight comics from my personal collection. Don't forget to visit my website, creatortalks.com. There I have listed the latest episode on the homepage, plus a playlist of all the episodes to date that you can listen to online or download. In addition, on the site, I will be posting my recommended reading picks, as well as written interviews with creators. Also on my YouTube channel are video interviews with creators on location at comic conventions and elsewhere. I know you have a lot of entertainment to choose from and a lot of podcasts to choose from as well. And I thank you for making the time to listen to this one. Your best source for comic book writers, artists, and creators. There are more interviews in the works and you never know who it might be. It is my distinct honor and privilege to speak to these creators and bring you those interviews each week. I'd like to thank my executive co-producer, who makes this possible, Mrs. Calloway. That's all for now. 
for Creator Talks. I'm Christopher Calloway. Until next time.